How can you relationally disarm the situation? Sometimes I stop and say something like, why do you want to know the answer to that question? Or what makes you ask me that question? And that's my way of testing the water to find out what kind of a journey am I about to partake on? And I think wisdom does that before she runs in excited and energized because she's been equipped with some apologetic tools. Wisdom says, okay, what is the situation here? What is the relational situation here? And what is the heart and mind of the person that I'm about to talk to? Me understanding that well informs how I will approach it. there. Thanks for joining us today on Study with Friends. I'm Paige. I'm so glad you're here to join us as we conclude our series on apologetics, A Gentle Answer. Holly and the ladies have been spending time having real-life conversations and tackling hard questions, all with the hope of giving us tools to use as we talk with others about our faith. If you've missed any part of the series or just want to re-listen, you can do so on our website, studywithfriends.org, or on any of your favorite streaming apps like iTunes, Spotify, or Stitcher. Don't forget, you can now watch the ladies on our YouTube channel. Now let's focus our hearts and continue our study. This is a question that was put to me in in the same way that many questions are put to me or put to Christians from non-believers. And so I want to say the question and then unpack some of the problems that I think exist. And maybe this will be a lead into the next series. I don't know. He said, can God create a rock that's too heavy for him to lift? If he can't, he's not all powerful. And if he can, he's not all powerful. This is like a favorite. They just love, they, um, and a non-believer who's really seated in their non-belief, who really is invested in their non-belief Um, will ask questions like this. And the reason that I say like this is because they ask you the question. And then if you noticed, they also ruled out how I could answer it. They're trying to box you in. So he said, can God create a rock that even he can't lift? Question mark. Because if he can't, he's not all powerful in one way or the other. Mm -hmm. Right. And so this is so common. In fact, um, I have a friend, his name is Larry. He is a very, very deep believing atheist. I found him um, as I was uh, just in my spare time enjoying surfing um, the web and found um, his blog. He, he, as deeply held as you and I hold our beliefs, he as deeply holds his atheistic beliefs. He runs groups, he has a blog, he has a website, he's part of a national organization much like you and I are in our own worlds. And so I thought with hubris, if I could have a relationship with Larry and hold my own, then I could have a couch relationship and not feel like I'm going into territory that I'm not. Listen, I always say this. I'm very aware that I I have, I'm constantly wandering into territory I have no business being in. So I really was like, okay, let me test this. It was really my own test drive. And if I can have a relationship with Larry and really be able to manage his questions, um, then I will feel like, okay, uh, maybe, maybe I have enough tools in my toolbox for me to go out and start building not a house, but maybe like a shed, right? Like that my toolbox could, my tools could work. And so Larry published a blog and this particular blog, blog was 22 questions Christians are afraid you'll ask. 
But the thing is, is that he asked the questions and then he would say, and they can't say da 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 or don't let them get away with X, Y, Z. Because he was, you know, trying to equip his fellow atheists to have conversations with us as Christians. I mean, there's two sides of this equation, guys, and people hold their beliefs pretty firmly on both sides. But um, I'm going to use a term. It's called straw man. And um, I'm going to explain what that means uh, as best I can. And maybe, Lauren, you can jump in and help me explain what a straw man is. But basically, these types of questions set up a false equivalency, a false... A false touch point. Yeah, like a false box for that question. Uh, Inappropriate boundaries around the question. And so my nephew said that to me. And he's like, because if... And I actually had to take a beat because he, he sucked me in with his... Because if he can't then he sucked me in and I was like I had to think for a second but then I remembered my first tool in the toolbox is ask a better question and so what I said to him was I appreciate why you're asking this question and of course this is my nephew so I'm highly relational with him and so I didn't have to wait to figure out I knew the experiences in his life that were bringing him to this moment etc okay so this is again it's all fluid how you manage somebody but I said to him I wonder if we could ask a different question. And that is actually just truncating the very beginning of your question, can God create? Again, the same idea of what we were talking about with Jonah and so forth, because he wanted to box me into the natural laws that would apply to this rock. And I just refused to be boxed into that by saying, what kind of a God are we talking about? Just tell me what you're saying your definition of God is. What's your definition of create? What do you mean by what do you mean by God when you say God? You know, so the beginning of that question might get dismissed. Can God create a rock that even he can't lift? Because you get so, so focused on the second part of that question. And then you get really boxed in by they're supplanting where you would possibly go with the answer or like the rules of what, how you can answer that question. Do you see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So they're setting up this question in a way that could make a Christian really be like, Oh my gosh, I don't know, you know, or I don't know what to do with that question. And these are the kinds of questions that some people are asked that really throw them off. And what I'm saying is if you can just take a beat And think about the core question underneath the surface question. Um, I'm not, you guys are right, don't dismiss the question. That's not relationally kind. But don't also, don't be afraid to go for the better question and wrestle with that person and invite them to wrestle with it. Because by doing so, you're inviting them into into a deeper understanding of God than even they were asking for in that moment. Um, and so that's why I love that question as an example of the same thing that we're talking about. Um, how have you answered that question or have you? Um, I think, well, I think I've answered it differently the different <laughs> each time that I've encountered it <laughs> probably. Um, I think also with what you're saying, the definition of power is a key in that if, if they follow up the question with, can God create a rock that is too big for him to move? If, you, if he can, he's not all-powerful. If he can't, he's not all-powerful. Well, what do you mean by all-powerful? Mm-hmm. Because if God can create a rock that he cannot move, and he's not 
all powerful. Like there's no option for all powerful mm-hmm. in that statement. Mm-hmm. And, um, and the way that I get to that is what do you mean by God? Yeah. Or what do you mean by create? Mm-hmm. We're getting to the same place in different ways. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And what, yeah, you can use the term of a straw man argument that there's, there's this deep argument here or this question here, but I'm going to try to hash out this battle on this idea over here instead. Like, I'm going to mm-hmm. ask you this question about a rock instead of, does God exist? Yeah. Who is God? Yeah. I've said, it depends on the situation. I've also <laughs> gone, I, because I've also responded with, no, <laughs> because mm-hmm. God is simple. Because God is all powerful. That's a ridiculous question. Mm-hmm. And it's a very small question. Mm-hmm. Um that you've created this tiny little universe where this is the only way the that God only could way work. that God could be mm-hmm. powerful mm-hmm. is one of these two things. You you've created this false dichotomy mm-hmm. of reality mm-hmm. um and of the possibilities of what it means to be powerful, what it means to be God, rather than Let's listen to God and learn what it means that he's all powerful Mm -hmm. and that he is God. Let's read about all of the wonderful things that God has done and understand what power can mean, what power can be. I think similar approach, Mm -hmm. really backing the truck up to like, what, what are we really talking about here? Mm -hmm. And, and, and I think some great points were made earlier in our time together, as far as how and when to do that is very fluid in the moment. And I think the only author of doing that properly is the Holy Spirit. And so if you know, I mean, I love you, but when we got together, I prayed it up in advance because I was like, don't let me take a step that isn't the way that she needs to go. Don't let me say a word that isn't what you need her to hear. I don't want to be a stumbling block to her, which I absolutely could be. And you wisely raised that there were Christians in your life who became stumbling blocks because of their approach. And I I do think, and this is a great place for us to land, and I would love for your final thoughts. I do think that one of the reasons that we're afraid or intimidated or concerned with how we answer these questions and potentially don't answer them because of it is because we're afraid that we would dishonor God in the process, that we would answer it wrong handle it wrong and that by that I mean relationally like where I'm arguing with you but what you really need is for me to come alongside you or I'm coming alongside you and what you really need is for me to challenge you whatever that may be our pride can get in the way our insecurities can get in the way a lot of things can block us from pursuing people who have these questions and pursuing the questions alongside them and I think I think in my in my spirit I think that is why Christians shy away from these questions sometimes this is I guess my point that I want to keep driving home every time is there are a couple of tools and I I introduced them last time that I think are really helpful it's not the only way it's not I'm not even going to say it's the best approach but for me to not have a script every time there's two things ask better questions or help them ask better questions can God create can the supernatural happen can God shut the mouths of lions, Daniel, Noah. Can this be true? What does God mean? What does the word God mean? What does the concept of God mean? Don't be afraid to ask those better questions and, 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 and show your conversational partner that 
you're not afraid of those bigger questions because you serve a God who can stand up to the bigger questions, even as you journey through whatever the wall or surface or higher level, lower level, I don't know, questions are. And then the other is we talked about, which we didn't do at all today, which is disarm and deconstruct. Um, and we'll do more of that as the series goes on. But what I mean by that is um, relationally disarming. Um, this is more to where people who are coming at you about your beliefs, coming for you about your beliefs. I said earlier in our, our time together, sometimes I stop and say something like, why do you want to know the answer to that question? Or what makes you ask me that question? And that's my way of testing the water to find out what kind of a journey am I about to partake on? And I think wisdom wisdom does that before she runs in excited and energized because she's been equipped with some apologetic tools. Wisdom says, okay, what, what, is, the, what is the search situation here? What is the relational situation here? And what is the heart and mind of the person that I'm about to talk to? Me understanding that well informs how I will approach. And um, certainly as a person with deeply held beliefs, I've been challenged in that way. And so disarm and deconstruct is my shorthand way of saying, how can you relationally disarm the situation? I think it's especially important in our culture right now when people are so um, eager to be opposed to each other and eager to point out the differences instead of the similarities that we have and uh, and really come at each other. So the disarm and deconstruct is um, sort of a different tool in the toolbox, but I find it also really helpful in different scenarios when someone's really being combative. And that's why I say disarm and deconstruct because I think about it as if someone's coming at you with a gun, they've loaded their gun, like Larry loads his gun, and he thinks about the bullets he's putting in that gun. And he comes for me and he's like, okay, let's talk about Adam and Eve. Why did God even allow there to be, you know? And so he loads his gun in advance and he comes for me. That's a different conversation. And for me, the disarm and deconstruct is, is applicable in that, in that place. Um, and we'll talk more about that as the series goes on. But the reason that I raise them again is because I think it's really useful for people to have some kind of a place where they feel like, any apologetic or any seeker skeptic doubt question, I could potentially at least look to these two tools because it feels complicated. So if I can just distill it and say, okay, what are a couple of things that I could be thinking about in the context of this question? Is there a better question? Is there a different question? Is there something that I know about God that I could ask a question to lead them into that knowledge and understanding about God? I think it's helpful to distill it to say, you don't have to have all the answers. You don't. None of us have all the answers. What you have to do is have a prayerful heart, a humble heart, a submissive heart to the Lord, and maybe a couple of starting points that you could gently walk and, and encourage that person through relationship and time and patience. And so I want to keep saying those tools because I think they're really helpful. And then the next um, part of our series, Lauren is going to teach us about how the Bible came to be put together. Uh, I really asked her to be part of the Canon series. And um, it was so obvious to me right away that she has a passion for people understanding that. And 
I have a passion for a lot of things, but Canon isn't one of them. So I recognized that spirit in her and it felt like a really great opportunity to have her invite her deeper in and, um, and let the people who um, exist in our study with friends world um, benefit from her awesome passion and knowledge and understanding of Canon. Would you like to do a 30 second commercial for your class? A lot of times in the vein of apologetic in the vein of questions that Christians often are, do not feel equipped to answer often a lot of the questions that are brought by skeptics of the faith, by skeptics of the church, um, which are not always the same thing, are questions of how the Bible came to be put together and the way that it was formed, the way that uh, certain books were chosen, certain books were not chosen, um, and the way that they are, that, that scripture is implemented in the church. And so we're going to talk about why the books that are in the Bible are the books that are in the Bible, how that happened. Um, a lot of people who grow up in the church don't ever ask that question um, and or are never given a lens to be intrigued by how that happened. Um, and so we will talk a lot about why it matters for, for those of us who have grown up in the church and who never ask that question, why does it matter how scripture was formed um, beyond just God wrote it, uh, <laughs> which is true, but there's more to the story than just that statement. And we will talk about some of the strongest critiques of the formation of scripture, of the canonization of scripture. Um, we will talk about some of the misconceptions and false narratives that have taken root in a lot of our society. Any parting thoughts about what we worked through today? I just, in a final thought, um, to address the fear of apologetics, not being afraid of having all of the answers because you are not the one that holds all the answers in the first place. Mm -hmm. Christ does. And in partnering with the Holy Spirit and allowing him to guide the questions, you then can take a step back and just say, Lord, I trust that you're going to answer this and not me. And that's why it's both a journey with the person, but it's also a journey with you and the Lord. Mm -hmm. um, I think of a few verses just to put in your head. Uh, there's one in Hebrews, um, I think it's Hebrews 6, that, that says, so I can say with great confidence the Lord is my helper, so I will have no fear. What can mere people do to me? So there's really nothing, even even people like this Larry person that may, with their words, come at you like a gun. There is no fear because they can't do anything to you because you're, you are held by the sacred arms of the Father. I reference this verse a lot. I can't remember if I referenced this the last time I was here. Matthew 6.33, seeking God's kingdom first, you know, seeking his scripture first with just you and God and pursuing his righteousness says then all these things will be added unto you. you you can take that so many different ways but in this context when you seek God's kingdom and you yourself pursue the truth it will just naturally flow out of you and then you can just sit back and let the Holy Spirit really just use you as a mouthpiece in that conversation so yeah. you know you actually are especially good at that Remember at the beginning I said that she has a special anointing? Like not everybody has that gift. Mm -hmm. 
maybe there may come a time where you could talk more about how do we encourage the spirit in our lives to be the author of what we're saying, how we're behaving, because she's especially good at that. I'm not diminishing what you're saying, but I am saying that probably we could learn from you more because I think in the context of this type of conversation, that can be a very precarious balance because we're we're thinking so much about what the answers might be we're thinking about the ways we want to attack it and we're not necessarily being led and you're very you're I think you are especially good at that I'm so glad you used that as a final thought because you couldn't be more right and probably we need to learn more about the how of that does that make sense because I think that you're glossing over that that how is is just accessible to all of us. Do you, do you relate to what I'm saying? Do you? Yeah, and I think, well, I think she's, I think she's giving us the how, too, yeah. that yeah. it's being steeped in Scripture. Mm-hmm. Like, most of what she yeah, said absolutely. is Scripture. Mm-hmm. And that's, mm-hmm. like, we don't have to have the answers in these conversations, especially in this, in an idea that it's a new answer that no one's heard before, that's probably really dangerous because God has given us his word and that is the answer. Mm -hmm. His word is what stands up. It's so important, um, you know, to, to walk what you believe. And I believe I'm in a group of women that walk what they believe, but thank you for saying that. And, and truly that is the Lord because I, one of the things that Holly and I, and maybe as I get to know you women, I'd probably relate to you as well. I am the type of person that in my flesh is very much like I need to make sure that I know the right answer before I even talk to you. You know, I am usually that type of person in my flesh and the Lord has had to teach me the opposite. He's had to teach me and it's come through a process of a lot of surrender. It's come through a process of a lot of people, um, you know, very much disbelieving mm. how I approached it and and coming with those really good questions. That's why I relate to a lot of what you brought up in the beginning because those are hard questions, you know. And when you grow up in the church, you know, you don't usually think about that, and, and I kind of grew up that way, um, until you're approached with it. And yeah. what, to what Lauren said, y- you're right. Of all of us, she quoted the most scripture um, w- w- applying to, to what we're talking about today. So a perfect mix that God brought again. So let's pray it out. Thank you guys so much for being here. God, thank you for the time. Um, thank you for the perspectives, for the wisdom and uh, mental acuity uh, of the women around this table today. And I also thank you for uh, your Holy Spirit, which we, um, we rely upon completely to be the author and perfecter of our time together and the author and perfecter of our faith. God, help us to stay steeped in your word, to lean on all of the uh, ways that we've studied you um, and and things that we know about you and not become rattled or shaken um, by our own doubts or the doubts of those around us, but rather to dig in deeper with you, knowing that the answer lives in you, with you somewhere. Thank you for that, for being a God that we can count on and rely on. Thank you for being the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. We love you, Lord. We lift you up and we honor you in this time. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Hi, this is Carol, and I hope you've enjoyed today's episode. We are a donor-funded organization, and while all the women who participate in our studies are volunteers, there are many costs and expenses that need to be covered by you, our listening audience. Please prayerfully consider supporting us with a one-time gift, or even better, become a monthly donor. Just go to our website, 
studywithfriends.org and click on the donate tab. Also, please pray for us as we seek to fulfill our mission to help you grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ through the fellowship of Bible study and the careful examination of your faith. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram and check out our videos and podcasts on YouTube, Spotify, iTunes, or Stitcher. And please remember that our studies cannot substitute for being involved in a Bible-believing church that is close to you, where you can live out all aspects of the Christian life. God bless.